Okay, this will be episode 23 right. of Collected Issues, the Michaelis episode. <laughs> so, I, I guess I'm supposed He usually says, hey everybody and welcome to... But I... Fuck. Do you want uh, me to say it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Introduce okay. the show, guest. Okay. Uh, should I do it in the best gutter trash voice that I have? You should. You should. All right. Bring, bring some of your own unique flavor to this. Collected Issues, episode 23, with your host, Bruce O'Hughes, and Mike Adams, who isn't here. No, Mike uh, Mike had an eyeball removed, <laughs> polished, and returned. Well, at least they cleaned it. Yeah, I hope so. Ooh, I wonder if you get, like, the Riddick Shine thing. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, terrifying. Terrifying for Mike. Um, so, we, we have a guest... Uh, Eric Schoenborn, or known to his friends and loved ones, uh, Enric Schornberg. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> was that it? Was it Schornberg? Uh, it has been pronounced so many different ways. I'm thinking of Joe Bargdale specifically. Um, yes, I believe he, yeah, Schornberg. Schornberg. Yep. <laughs> Much more Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Enric, right? Um, maybe, yeah. I remember the day he was like, hey, Eric, when did you start wearing glasses? <laughs> Your yep. response was? Uh, since the seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Good old good old inside jokes. Yeah. That's, that's what makes the internet awesome. Uh, but yeah, my last name gets pronounced uh, a whole variety of different ways, but very rarely does the first name ever get fucked up. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think I think the fourth word I said was fuck. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, on, under iTunes, it's parental guidance all right. and all that stuff. Just and, making uh, sure. And I can't get iTunes to update our image, uh, so it's still it's the logo of the old podcast. And uh, we had reviews, and then they they disappeared when iTunes. Did I hate iTunes? Oh, iTunes is the worst. Yeah, uh, and their support is some sort of automated Hispanic robot. I think I'm not sure. It's like Rosie from the Jetsons, but it's pronounced Rose or Roja. I don't know. <laughs> Roja makes sense. I think that that's red, right? Yes. Yeah. It's also, I believe, that's a, the salsa I get at Quidoba, or is it Qdoba? Uh, I don't know. I've never been. Really? Yeah. Better than Chipotle. Is it? Yeah, because they have cheese. Chipotle has cheese, but they don't have queso. And uh, that is true. You can get queso on literally everything. I, I enjoy a queso. Quidoba, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hot Head also has queso, but Hot Head is terrible. It's awful. There's one, what, 20 seconds from my house? Yeah. You passed it to get here. Yep. I have gone in there, and I have tried every one of their salsas. <laughs> I've tried at least four things off the menu, because me and Rafi went there four times. It's 20 seconds from the house. We right. have to find something we can eat there. Sure. No, awful. 
I don't. Everything is bad. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've often said that uh, their name lies. Because uh, it is not hot, you cannot get head. No. And they are barely burritos. True. True. And I've never seen a smiling, uh, flaming guy. Nope. There either. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, we, we uh, Fantastic Four. Yes. We can, uh, smiling, flaming guys. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The mean you watched the Fantastic Four movie. We did. And after that, I started reading the old school Fantastic Four comics. Like the Kirby Lee yep. issues? Yeah. Okay. I'm up to issue 13. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's briefly, we'll talk about the movie for like 10 minutes and then I'll, have you read any of the original stuff? Uh, if I have, I mean, I remember reading like the Galactus Saga like yeah. a long, long time ago. I haven't gotten there. I'm on like the fifth appearance of Dr. Doom. Right. Cause in the beginning it's Dr. Doom and, uh, Namor over and over right. and over. I've read issue nine. Uh. <laughs> You've worked on issue nine. Sort of. Yes. Explain that to our, our, uh, our. I want to say readers. Explain <laughs> that to our auditory readers. <laughs> uh, my, my, my friend Jason, um, like a long time ago, decided he wanted some uh, original art from an artist by the name of Chester Brown. Uh, but Chester Brown does not sell his original art. Any relation to Bad Bad Leroy Brown? Um, possibly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at least if you read uh, Chester Brown's last graphic novel, very likely so. Huh. Because it's all about all the hookers that he slept with. Wow. <laughs> and I'm sure Bad Bad Leroy Brown also possibly was a pimp. He's the baddest man in all damn town. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, so you wanted some original art from Chester Brown. Uh, Chester Brown does not sell his original art, but offered to recreate any page that he has drawn. <laughs> and uh, so Jason said, well, if you can recreate any page you've drawn, could you recreate any page anybody else has drawn? And he said, okay. So he asked for like this Fantastic Four page from uh, issue number nine. Okay. Uh, featuring uh, Namor and the Invisible Woman. Oh, was that where an Invisible Woman's in Namor's apartment or whatever? Yeah. And, okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and somehow, like I sort of planted the seed of the idea. It's like, oh, you should get like every page of this done by different artists. And so he did. I was never asked you to contribute asked. to that, yeah. and it has haunted me. <laughs> I I lose sleep over that. I'm sorry. Uh, you shouldn't he, be apologizing. Jason should. He should. I'll let him know the next time I see him. Because what I just recently read, issue nine. Yeah. Brought me down. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, if it were up to me, there are certainly pages in that book that uh, could have been easily replaced uh, with you. <laughs> Because not all of them are great. No. Uh, He's done with it. He is now, done. Right? Yeah. yeah, every every page is done. The cover is done. Uh, he did not get all the artists that he initially wanted. Okay. Uh, because some of them were just too pricey. Or in the case of like Dave Sim, uh, <laughs> said, well, he also does not sell his original art. But he said, what he'd do is he would draw it and then put it on eBay and allow Jason the fair chance to uh, win the piece of art. Isn't that like some Tony Moore shit? Where uh, he doesn't do sketches anymore? He now, you can bid to have him sketch? Uh, I've seen him like do daily sketches and then put them on like, yeah, a Yeah, but like for conventions, like I think he pre-sells his sketches through eBay. Really? Huh. I, I think that's it. Wow. Or well, I know at least like his, his comic convention, he sells tables through Kickstarter. All right. Yeah. I, yeah. I 
have lost a lot of respect for Tony Moore over the years. I still, I think he's a fine artist. He is a fantastic artist. When yeah. he he makes the art, sure, but Which does not seem to be regularly no. now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. So, uh, Fantastic Four movie. Yes. We saw it. Everyone's talked about it. Right. Uh, I, I stick to But my... not everybody has seen it, because it no. bombed horribly. Oh, yeah. I, uh, us and the actors. Yep. <laughs> and the, the, the ghost of uh, uh, Siegel and Ebert, or whatever the hell the, the guys were. The one without a mouth and the one who died before him. Uh, Siskel and Ebert. Siskel. Yeah. I like Siegel and Ebert. I do, too. The creators of uh, Supercritic. <laughs> <laughs> Voiced by... Uh, I've lost my mind. God damn it. I'm going to say John Lovitz. Yeah, I'm sticking with John Lovitz, yeah, because yeah, he did The Critic. He did. It's yeah. a great show. It's a, it is. Precursor to Family Guy. Yeah, better. Far superior to Family yeah, yeah. Guy. I, I can still go back and watch The Critic randomly. I think it's on Comedy Central at like 4 a.m. in Uganda. I get that on the, on the, the DirecTVs. No, <laughs> If you pluralize any product, everyone's like, okay, I can't dispute that. The DirecTVs. Hmm. No, I agree. Uh, so when when we walked out of the movie, I I remember saying, wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No. Well, to be fair, we talked about it in the middle of the movie because we were the only people in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, because you, you bought the tickets through a kiosk. Yeah. If we'd have gone up and bought them from a human being, I think he would have said, really? Probably. So, yeah. And maybe let us in for free. Yeah, probably not. But... Uh, it, it is clear that had I not bought those tickets, they would not have run that showing. <laughs> <laughs> they would have saved money on electricity. Yep. They're like, yeah, we don't need to fire up the projector on this one. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we did like running commentary through the whole thing. Yeah. We should have. We should have just taken a laptop and recorded that. Yeah. No one would have cared. I'm know. curious now whether that movie's actually ever been bootlegged. <laughs> I mean, did people bother breaking the law for that movie? I'm sure it's out there. Has to be. Yeah, but do you think Fox released it? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible. I'm curious to check on like kick-ass torrents now. And right. like, oh, is it really? <laughs> nope. Huh. You know, uh, not that I do this kind of thing at all ever, but you know, so occasionally, sometimes, accidentally, kick-ass torrents pops up on my computer. It, it's and random. I think it's the F key or yeah, something. It's yeah. like F9 for, for kick-ass torrents. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can't recall seeing it. Hang on, I just got a bloopity bloop. Oh, uh, that's Mike. Hey. I'm gonna tell him to wait. Fucking wait. <laughs> Fucking wait. In the middle of one. Boom. Okay. Alright. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm leaving that in there, Mike. Hope you enjoy listening to this. Uh, back to the movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, before going into it, obviously, every review of it was just pretty much slamming it. Yeah. Every single person who had a comment about it was just, this is the worst thing ever. Blaming the director, blaming the actors. Right. Scream- I don't think anyone came out of that unscathed. Not really. Yeah, the actors might be okay. But, because I think it's pretty much, people will look at it as like, well, it's not their fault. Yeah. Unlike... For some reason, George Clooney is the one who gets the sole blame for Batman and Robin. I think he's just—he's really apologetic, right? About that, I don't know if people blame Clooney so much. It's just he's come out and said sorry before anyone else, right? Uh, Me and you talked as we're walking out. I hate to recycle conversations, but 
uh, as we were walking out of the theater, we both, well, in hell, in the middle of the movie, we just turned and started having a conversation. Right. Like you said, <clears throat> there's no chemistry no. With, with anyone on screen. Not at all. Uh, I think it's, there was a scene where, like, in, they're in the middle of building the big teleportation machine where yeah. uh, Miles Teller takes a selfie in front of it. Yeah. And you said, that is the most genuine moment that has happened in the movie. Yeah. And again, he's not even interacting with anyone. Nope. Standing by he, him, his interaction with his iPhone was better than his interaction with his future brother-in-law. Right. With his best friend. Yep. For that matter, who helps him move and then disappears until he gets horribly disfigured. Yep. And his penis falls off. That's. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's. Still, yeah, it's not as bad as everyone had made it out to be. It's not great. No. Um, but it's better than Daredevil. Yeah. It's better than the first Ghost Rider. It's definitely better than that. Um, the second Ghost Rider as well was a giant turd. Yeah. I think... I think with... with uh, it, it had to be... Everyone has come out and said it, it wasn't the first draft, that there were better versions of the script out there. It, it felt very first drafty to me. It did. Uh, there were so many ideas thrown out there that there was no follow-up to. I, I keep thinking back to when Ben and Reed were children. And we've all seen this in the trailer, those right. of you who haven't seen it yet, and probably never will. There's a bit in the trailer where they're in the garage, they, they build the first teleportation scene. There's a tight shot of Ben handing Reed a Swiss Army knife. Right. Movie logic dictates if there's a tight shot of a prop at one point in the movie, it's going to come back later. Right. I can guarantee you. That's storytelling, one-on-one. Yeah. Well, I, I can guarantee you there's a scene somewhere, somewhere, on a deleted whatever, right. maybe just in script form, where that knife comes back up. Yeah. There's no point to show us a tight shot of that if it's completely irrelevant. Nope. Uh, it's the... And uh, it's the same thing with... Uh, I mean, there's actually been a website or two that have listed, just from looking at the trailers to watching the movie, yeah. things that just aren't in it anymore. Uh, like, the, the I think the iconic scene from the trailer is when Ben drops out of the plane to yeah. kill a bunch of people, probably. He's a human bomb. Right. Uh, Who murders. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, his penis fell off. Sure. Wouldn't you? I don't know. Well, I, okay, here's... Did, do you think his penis <laughs> fell off, or do you think it's hidden under the rocks? Uh, do you think he can part the rocks? Like, he has he has, has a penis inside a vagina. Right. Like, he moves the lips of the rocks. Sure. He parts them. Right. And then... It kind of just kind of... It, it unravels. Sure. Like one of those party favors. Yeah. It's possible. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if... This, uh, this seems to be very into Kevin Smith territory, I feel. <laughs> well, I'm not saying, can he have sex with Alicia Masters and not kill her? Right, yeah. I'm saying, does he eat? Does he drink? Yeah. Can he poop? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They, they didn't go into that. For yeah. all the things about it being some sort of biological horror, body modification type right. of thing... The only real discomfort we saw was without Reed's fancy suit, his arms get long. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they all wear containment suits, uh, which, I mean, you know, that's been a trope in yeah. comics forever. And I think, and then Johnny had, <clears throat> to, had to push some buttons on his sleeve before he could flame on. Right. But they never went out of their way to say that. I just noticed his body language. He, he always went to his sleeve. Right. 
before he, he combusted. Yeah, it's inferred basically that he is just always on fire now. Yeah. And Sue is just always invisible, but the suits help them maintain, so... Huh. And, yeah, that was the one of the things that bugged me was, uh, you know, they all are now basically held captive by the government, but they're given these these suits to, to help them deal with uh, what they're going through, and yet Reed, you know, fucks off to Venezuela or whatever, and builds his own? But also, then how, if he wasn't able to control his own body up until he built himself a suit? Yes. Well, and, and also, he only loses control of his appendages. Oh, right, yeah. Because his, his face and neck is, yep. and torso aren't just randomly bending and nope. elongating. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's logic. Logic uh, issues. I think the main problem there is that they go so out of their way to try to make this as realistic as possible. Yep. Science! Right. And so it's the kind of thing that, well, those are the things you should be answering then if that's the approach you're going to take. Right. I mean, especially because it borrowed so heavily from Ultimate Fantastic Four. Right. And one of my favorite runs on Ultimate Fantastic Four was Warren Ellis's. Right. He broke everything down. He made everything made make sense. This is why Reed can do what he can do. This is why Johnny can do what he can do. I mean, if you're going to borrow from the source material, be consistent and borrow the good parts from the source material. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, we talked about how this feels like a first draft, but what it, to me, honestly feels like it's the first drafts to four different scripts. Yeah. Like, like they had four different writers all work on their own and then come together. And instead of trying to pull it together in a cohesive narrative, it's just, well, I like this element from this one and this one from this one. Yeah, because everything after they defeat Doctor Doom felt like a different movie. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was cheesy and optimistic and yep. everyone got along all of a sudden for no reason. And uh, when Doom goes through this, you know, the, the Stargate military base, it looked exactly like Cheyenne Mountain. Yeah. Um, he and he's just popping people's heads left and right and he goes up to, to Dr. Storm he doesn't pop his head so that Dr. Storm can talk the Fantastic Four into being buddies. Right. <laughs> uh, he just, he sets his face on fire or something. I didn't understand it. Yeah, um, yeah but they, they try to come together at the end and there's like that cheesy moment where like, what should we call ourselves? What about this? What about this? Right. And then it ends right before they say the actual name. It was so out of character for the rest of the movie. Right. And then them basically blackmailing the government. Yes. Yeah. yeah what if we say no? Say yes, or we'll we'll drop the thing on you. Right? Maybe no. Do we stay through the credits? Right? Uh, no. Yeah, because we were told there was nothing. Right. Well, maybe they drop him after the credits on the White House. <laughs> That's how the movie ends. <laughs> With the Fantastic Four taking over the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, it's a movie I might watch. <laughs> <laughs> the Evil Four. <laughs> it's Planetary. It's the prequel to Planetary. <laughs> Which would have been a far superior movie. Yeah. A few more minutes here. Okay. Let's let's move from the movie to the the, the, the comics, the okay. source material. Um, after this, I was inspired to go back and see you know what all the hubbub is about. Right. Um, like I said, I'm up to issue thirteen. There's a lot of weirdness going on. Like like I mentioned, like the Doctor Doom. I think he's had three appearances so far. Namor has showed up at least twice. I can remember. 
at one point, like, he starts out as a homeless guy, and then he falls in love with Sue, and then later on, like, he buys a movie studio because he can. Right. And, Issue uh, number nine. Yeah. Uh, and then Dr. Doom, like, he gets swept away on an asteroid, and it takes him to a planet, and then he steals technology from these people and swaps brains with Reed, and just really weird stuff. But with the, the character things, Ben is insane. Okay. Like, the thing is just... As soon as, even before he mutates, like, he's given Reed shit the whole, like, leading up to the flight. Right. And then after he becomes the thing, he just randomly punches things. He picks up people's cars and throws them. There's a, a point where he, like, smashes a hole in the street so he can get away from everyone looking at him and starts going through the sewers. And then when he just randomly pops up outside of the Baxter building to go back home, a car hits him. He blames that car. He just jumped up through the street. <laughs> And he says a lot of weird things like, wow, I really wish, you know, Susie would look at me the way she looks at you sometimes, Reed. And I'm like, does everyone want to fuck Sue Storm? <laughs> uh, everyone is like, oh, she's so pretty, the invisible woman. I would never let her turn invisible. <laughs> and she, I, I think, I think in issue 12 is the first time Reed talks about him and Sue having any sort of romantic really? thing going on whatsoever because she talks about oh Namor's not really a bad guy he's just misunderstood and Reed's like he pulls her to the side and says but Sue I thought it was understood that me and you when the time was right we would oh Reed I can't talk about that right now I'm like what what is this <laughs> what, was it some sort of arranged marriage between their parents <laughs> oh. I'm not sure Johnny's not really like the the hothead. It's Ben's the hothead. He's right. just destroying things. Johnny just wants to work on cars and then set things on fire. And man, from panel to panel, Johnny can redefine his power set. <laughs> in issue nine, he builds a cage out of fire. No, that's right. He makes doubles out of himself out of fire. Yep. He can only stay uh, on like flamed on for like 30, 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then he gets tired and he has to eat. So his, is, is it my metabolism thing? Is he like the Flash? Could be. Wow. I think in weird. issue 11 or 12, he figures out he can burn his fire so hot that it doesn't produce heat. I'm going to say that again. He can burn his fire so hot that it does not produce heat. I'm just soaking that in. Yep. <laughs> Cause... Because it was convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know that you're talking about this. It reminds me. I've read uh, the first couple of issues of uh, the original X Men. Okay. And uh, like within the first five issues, every single character go undergoes a drastic character development, you know, change uh, between issue to issue. Characters' names change. Like, I think Scott Summers, his name changed, like, four different times. Wow, like, Cyclops changed, or Scott Summers Scott changed? Summers, okay. like, their real names. Uh, the Beast started out as just the stereotypical big, dumb, brute guy. Wow. Like, he spoke like the thing normally does, you know, lots of, uh, you know, street slang. Yeah, you know, or vernacular. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys, yep. you mugs. Pretty much, yep. Yeah. Uh, and so... And I mean, you know, as far as that goes, you gotta blame that on Stan Lee, right? Yeah, <laughs> you have to. Right. The the hair like creature that's inhabited his body <laughs> and been, been controlling him like a puppet master, because he probably died thirty years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you ever listened or uh, read the uh, Marvel: The Untold Story uh, no. book? Highly recommended. 
I've listened to the audiobook at least twice. Uh, it's great. It pretty much details the entire history of Marvel Comics from, like, the 1940s through, like, two years ago. Okay. Uh, the subtitle of the book might as well just be, Stan Lee does not give a fuck. Because <laughs> he does not. Uh, like, I mean, he was very controlling, like, during the 60s when, when, you know, it was all becoming, you know, something. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, he didn't give a shit about, you know, what people thought about the comic books. You know, like, he just wanted to sort of do his own thing. Uh, he always was trying to steal credit over everyone else. Uh, and then basically, like, once he became the publisher and stopped actually writing the books. Yeah. Even though... It, clearly delineates that he didn't do any writing. He just wrote dialogue. Yeah. Uh, Never like, plotted a thing. Like, there's an anecdote in it where basically somebody is hanging out with Stanley and Jack Kirby. They're plotting an issue of the Fantastic Four. And then, like, you know, a month later, Jack Kirby hands in the artwork for that issue. And Stanley's like, but this isn't anything we talked about. <laughs> uh, but basically, once he becomes the publisher and stops writing... He stops caring, like and like doesn't keep up with anything that's actually happening, uh, and but like he would still show up to the office and then like sort of edit some stuff, but like he wouldn't, like he didn't know who any of the new X Men were. He's just making money. Yeah, pretty much. He just yeah. wanted to, he wanted to break into Hollywood. And that is pretty much all that happened. And look where he is now. Yep, he's known for his cameos. Yeah. When when he when my son grows up, he will know Stan Lee. As the guy we unlocked in Marvel Lego. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, he's five right now. He has no right. concept of anyone creating any of these things. But And he calls him Stan Leave for some reason. Right. But he, he's a character we unlocked in Marvel Legos. And he's seen the same guy pop up in like you know, the Avengers movies and Captain America right. and the X-Men. That's Stan Lee's legacy now. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I don't think I was as young as Creighton, but, you know, uh, I certainly remember seeing Stan Lee pop up from time to time. Uh, like, I remember him narrating yeah. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Stan Lee Presents. Stan Lee Presents. Yeah, was it uh, Bullpen Bulletins? Yeah. Stan's Soapbox. Right. To me, Stan Lee was always, like, running commentary for, for comics. Right. Uh, I remember comics just having him in them, like the first page with, hey, true believers, and him bringing you up to speed on things in the comic, and yeah. he would do the same thing in, in some of the cartoons. Yep. He's the the mayor of Superhero City and the Superhero Squad. Right. Yeah. But I don't think he's had anything to do with comics since 1971. No, no, no. Remember, he uh, well, rec recreated the DC Universe. He did do that. And <laughs> I don't think we could ever forget Ravage 2099. <laughs> I owned that. <laughs> I, I uh, damn the twenty ninety nine the X Men book was unreadable. Ghost Rider twenty twenty ninety nine was pretty good. That's some good art. It's Chris Pacello, right? I think even Ashley Wood did a couple. No clue. Right. I Pacello, yeah. that was yeah. it for me. Okay, so I think we've uh, run run the gamut of uh, episode twenty three. We've we've got mics on hold. Okay. So. <laughs> you uh, you coming back for the next episode? I'll come back for the next. Okay. One. Glad to have you. Good night, everybody.